morning. Good to see you. Has it started to snow yet? Okay, fantastic. We could be snowed in. Um, isn't it great that I was thinking about this? You all look fabulous, by the way. You all look washed and cleaned and uh, nice uh, clothes on. But you know, it doesn't matter. Everybody is welcome in God's house. And I love that. And you don't have to, you know, the thing is, we don't have to wash ourselves before we come in. We don't have to be clean. We don't have, our insides, I mean, our outsides do, but our insides, we don't need to be clean. We just come into his presence. And I, that song, uh, that last song about coming when we're uh, empty, coming when we're broken, coming when we're weary. I think some of us are probably all three this morning. So isn't it great that we could come into God's presence as we are? And isn't it great that he never leaves us where we are? He always takes us on. No meeting with God through his Holy Spirit is ever neutral. Ever. Ever. So the person that walked through that door this morning will not be the same person who goes out after meeting with God. Amen. Isn't that great? There you go. I think that's all I've got to say today. That's fabulous. Okay. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Amen to that. Okay, so we want to grow, don't we? Yes, we do. 2019 is the year of growth uh, at City View. It's our word. And we believe that God wants us to grow, grow as his people, as his children, Grow to be the person inside that God has created us to be. Grow closer to Jesus. Grow in the likeness of Jesus. Grow in a relationship with Jesus. Grow with the help of the Holy Spirit. And now each week, as I've, uh, I've tried to have a show and tell, an illustration uh, about growing. And so on the second Sunday of every month, we're going to look at the plant that we Uh, planted in a pot, a bulb, that hopefully will grow, and we'll see that. On the third Sunday, we're going to measure two of our children who are going to grow over this year as a bit of a show and tell. On the fourth Sunday, I want you to come and share stories and share uh, songs or poems or dances or whatever you want about growing. Tell us about how God has been helping you. Uh, in your life in certain areas. And, and I'm thinking, what do we do on the first Sunday? I couldn't think of anything. I'm thinking, well, shall I uh, ask for a volunteer for someone to grow a beard? And then each Sunday, Tanya, no, you don't count. Each Sunday, uh, we see how long the beard is. Do I have any volunteers for that? No, I didn't think so, no. And then I thought, well, what about growing toenails? What about measuring a toenail? And I thought, no, I can't really. I don't think anyone's into that. And then I started thinking, well, what about bellies? You know, sort of measuring a belly um, and, and seeing how our bellies grow over there. I, but I, you know, but I can't think of anything. So on the first Sunday, we haven't got an illustration, unless you can think of one. Or eyelashes, or hair. Grow hair, Phil. Yeah. 
That'd be a miracle, wouldn't it? Anyway, so we, yeah, we haven't got a show and tell, but what we have done in the last few weeks, we've, we've uh, set the foundations, and so we started to look at, these are the areas that you identified to me as areas that you want to see growth in your life this year, and what I said was that we'll go through some of these, and we've started to, to do that, and, um, and we've started to look Last week, we began looking at spiritual disciplines, those spiritual habits that we need to get into that actually will help us grow. It's not the spiritual disciplines themselves, because it's by God's grace and by His Spirit that we grow, but the disciplines will help us to grow. And and we looked and, and saw that meditation was the first one. Finding time and space to be still with creation and scripture and allow God to be God and allow his thoughts and his perspective to seep into our busy and hurried everyday lives. And I hope you've been able to do that this week in some way. Uh, Keep working on that discipline because the only way it becomes a habit is if you keep doing it. Um, yeah, so, and today, and the spiritual discipline we're going to look at today, that we're going to consider today, is connected to meditation, and just as essential if, if we want to grow. Some time ago, I got a call from, uh, one of the young adults that I mentored at my previous church, and I hadn't heard from him for a while, so we called up for a bit, But I knew that he hadn't just called for a chat. So I said, okay, Kevin, what's going on? And he couldn't wait. He couldn't wait. He blurted it out. He said, Trevor, I'm in love. I thought, wow, that's great. That's great. Now, Kevin had always been the shy, awkward type. so, So this was a big moment. He was in love. So I said, tell me more. He said, well, I saw her at church, and my heart skipped a beat. So I started to follow her on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and, and she accepted all my requests. I thought, good, well, that's a good start. I've gone through all of her photos online, and she's so really very pretty. She's got great fashion sense, fantastic smile. And from her posts, I can see that she's such an interesting, intelligent woman. She's into saving the planet. She belongs to a fitness group. She volunteers at a homeless shelter. And and she likes all those really cute kitten videos (laughs) that are posted. She's just the perfect woman for me. Trevor, I'm so in love. But then he said, I just need some advice from you. I said, sure, what's that? He said, well, I really think this is it, and and I so want this relationship to grow. What do you think the next step that I should take? And being the extremely wise and insightful pastor that I am, I said, well, how about talking to her. 
seriously? You think? Yeah, yeah, I think. (laughs) One thing I've learned, I said to him, is that communication actually helps a relationship grow. Now, maybe some of you are sitting here this morning asking the same question. Trevor, I've I've heard you talking about this Jesus. I've read about him. I've listened to his stories. He seems a really good guy, and and his dad's not seems okay too. And I really want to see that relationship between me and Jesus grow. I know that my life needs to be built on that relationship. You've told me that. But I just need to know, Trevor, what's, what's the next step that I need to take? What is it, Trevor? What's the next step? Turn with me to Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read from verses uh, 5 to 8. Just a few verses. This is Jesus speaking to the crowds and his disciples. He says, And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Talk to me. Listen to me. Communicate with me, says the living God. Wow. Seriously? You think? Yeah. I think. If you and I want to grow spiritually this year, and I don't care whether you've been a Christian for 150 years or five minutes. If you and I want to grow in our marriages, in our parenting, in our courage, in our faith, in compassion, in love, in patience, in humility, in thankfulness, then we need to regularly communicate, talk and listen to the one who cares and loves us more than any other. To give it its religious term, we need to pray. We need to practice the spiritual discipline of prayer. To form the daily habit of prayer. Now, We've spoken a lot. In the seven years that I've been here, we've spoken a lot about prayer. I've done many, many sermons and talks on prayer. And and there are a lot of different aspects of prayer. There's praying for others, praying for healing, praying for forgiveness. But what I want to do this morning is look at prayer as communication. As a conversation. A conversation with the Almighty God. 
of the universe, who's also our dad. An intimate conversation that will draw us closer to him and ultimately grow our hearts. And I want to use the passage that we just read to draw out some very practical tips for those of us who struggle with prayer, who struggle to engage in and experience and develop this intimate time with God. So hopefully we can leave today with some thoughts about how we can put this discipline into action. Guys, we know about prayer. You guys know about prayer. You probably know more about prayer than I do. But let's look at how it can become a habit for us, a discipline for us. Okay, first tip. Pray secretly. Look at verse 6. It says, but when you pray, Jesus says, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who's unseen, then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Do you know what the secret to prayer is? The secret to prayer is secret prayer. It's true. Secretly slipping away to be alone with your heavenly Father, just as Jesus often did. Now, now don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we should never pray publicly. Or with others. In fact, several times in the Gospels, we read of Jesus and his disciples praying publicly and together. That is not, that's not wrong. But if we want to grow our own spiritual lives, to grow our relationship with God, we need to develop the habit of secret prayer. You see, our prayer life should be like this iceberg where sort of one uh, ninth is just above the water. That's, that's our public prayer. But then most of our praying happens in secret, on our own, one-on-one with God. And Jesus says to his disciples and to us, go and find a private place for prayer. Why? Well, firstly, it's so that we can remain humble. Because if we only ever prayed in public, we could easily become like the Pharisees, who wanted everyone to see how pious they were by standing on the street corners or in the synagogues. had a guy in my church in the UK who, who loved his own voice. And he loved to pray in the service. And his prayers would go on and on and on and on. And he would look around to make sure everyone was looking at him. Jesus is saying, no, no, that's not what you should be doing. You see, the purpose of prayer is not to impress others. But to be in that conversation with God. We... We don't pray to communicate to others how holy we are. We pray to communicate with God about how holy he is. Prayer is not the Super Bowl. It's not a spectator sport. Secondly, we find a secret place because we want to build a close relationship. If I want to talk 
intimately with my wife. If I want to let her know my deepest fears, my hopes, my dreams, I'm not going to send out an invitation to you lot. Let's say on Valentine's Day, I've set up this intimate dinner, candles, you know, beautiful Michael Bublé on the speakers, and, and then you lot turn up, and you're sitting in the background, listening to what we're saying, no, no, and it's the same with God, there's times when we need to pour out our heart to God. Pour out our fears and our joys and allow him just to speak tender words of love to us. So we need a quiet place to do that. Let me tell you, there are some prayers that I say that I do not want you to hear. I don't want you to. Because it's intimate. It's private. I don't want you to know these things. I want God to know these things. You see, so when we pray, we don't want an audience, except an audience of one. And in order to, to pray that way, we need, to need two things, two things, time and a place. We need to choose one time each day to have a focused period of prayer, like, like setting a time with a friend. You set up a meeting with a friend. Do that with your prayer. And it's probably easier to make it the same time each day. Do you know why? Because we're busy people. And I know for many of us, especially me, if I don't set a time for prayer, guess what? It's not going to happen. But if you know that at a certain time on each day, that is the time I'm going to be speaking with God. You make that a habit. You make it a routine. As for what time of day this should happen, well, I guess the best idea is to pray when you're at your best. Okay, I remember being told when I first became became a Christian, they said, Trevor, you've got to pray in the morning. After all, there's a passage in Mark which says that Jesus got up very early in the morning while it was still dark, to go out and pray. So Trevor, do you want to be like Jesus? Yes, I do. Well, you've got to get up in the morning before it's, uh, whilst it's dark and get out and pray. But what if you're like that in the morning? What, yeah, Jen, yeah, yeah, you know. What if the morning is your worst time of the day? You may be the kind of person even Jesus doesn't want to talk to in the morning. You know, you're literally grumpy McGrump from Grumpland in the morning. Anyone like that here? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you want to sit down and foster a deep, intimate relationship with the living God at that time? No, you just want a coffee. Amen. <laughs> Give him your best time. God created us all differently. Not all of us are morning people. Find the time that works best for you. 
and schedule it. Do you remember we had that uh, 24-7, uh, the 24-hour, 7-day-week uh, of prayer? where each of you chose a particular hour of the day to pray, there were some people who chose 4 o'clock in the morning. Seriously? That was someone's best time to pray. Praise God for that. Some people were praying at midnight because that was their best time to pray. I, I do not function after 10 o'clock at night. I don't. I, I Never speak to me after 10 o'clock because I make no sense. (laughs) So schedule it for your best time. Why don't you put it in your phones? Why don't you be one of those annoying people whose phone keeps beeping? Because you've got a reminder on your phone. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm praying in 20 minutes, 10 minutes, 5 minutes. Got to get ready. Why don't you do that? You know, tell people who want to speak to you or see you at that time, say, oh, I'm sorry, I've, I've got a meeting. And if they ask who it's with and you're too embarrassed to say, oh, just say, a, I don't know, a, a carpenter friend of mine, a meeting. <laughs> or the God of the universe. I don't know. Whatever you want to say. So it could be the morning. It could be lunchtime. It could be the afternoon. It could be the evening. And let me tell you, it doesn't have to be four hours of prayer. It doesn't even have to be an hour of prayer. I would suggest that you start things slowly. Go for five minutes, first of all. See how you get on. Build it up slowly. So time is important. Pick a time. Set aside time. But... So is a place, a place to pray. Find the right place where you can pray. The Gospels tell us this, that that Jesus went, it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus took care to find places that would be free from distractions. In fact, Mark tells us of a time when When Peter's looking for Jesus, Jesus has gone off praying, Peter's looking for him. And Jesus comes back, they finally find him, and Peter says, where have you been? Everyone's been looking for you, you didn't leave your cell phone number, we couldn't get hold of you. Jesus, it's really busy around here, and you go wandering off, and we couldn't find you. And Jesus said, yeah, that's why I wandered off, so you couldn't find me. Because I needed to be alone with my father. And now, when, I, when we read that passage of Jesus to, uh, talking to his disciples, where he says, go and find a, a quiet place, I always used to read that and think of like a darkened room, a bare room somewhere, you know. But, but it's really interesting that... Uh, The Gospels record Jesus mostly praying outdoors in places of beauty. He said he went up to the mountains to pray or he was praying by the Sea of Galilee. 
And we mentioned this last week about meditation, didn't we? But perhaps you communicate better with God outside. There's a particular bench that I go to, New Brighton Park. Uh, It's not far from me. There's a particular bench. Every summer in the evenings, I would cycle down there and I'd sit on that bench and pray. I don't do it in the winter. It's too cold. (laughs) But that is where I meet God, on that bench. You see, the idea is to find a place that will support your attempts at prayer. It could be a special place in the house. It could be a special chair or a special place with a view or something. Because over time, if you, <coughs> excuse me, if you go to the same place and use it again and again for prayer, do you know what? It becomes a sacred place. It's really weird. It becomes such a special place. Just as, I don't know, couples have favorite restaurants or, you know, favorite tables at restaurants where they always gather. Having one place where you can meet God in prayer over the years just becomes a gift to your soul. This uh, picture reminds me, <coughs> good friend of mine, Daryl Johnson, uh, he, he has a, prayer in his, a, a chair in his house. A leather chair. It's an old, worn leather, leather chair that he sits in to pray. And he said, I've been praying in that chair for 55 years. And he said, that chair has seen tears of joy, tears of laughter, and tears of pain and suffering. It becomes a special place for him to interact with God. So pray secretly. Find a time and a place for you to communicate with God. Praying in the car or praying whilst you're, you're doing a spin class or praying as you rush to work is fine because we're told to pray all the time, constantly. And they're, they're good. Just little quick arrow prayers up. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I don't know what to say. They're fine. But, 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 but that can't be your only prayer life. You've got to find time, uh, quality time with God. Okay, so we found a place and a time. What do we talk about? Well, keep it simple. Stupid. Keep it simple. Pray simply and sincerely. Verses 7 to 8 says, And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. Because your father actually knows what you need anyway, before you ask him. Basically, Jesus is saying, when you pray, don't try to be religious. And use all those religious words and use meaningless, empty phrases. You might sound intelligent, you might even sound pious. But it does nothing whatsoever to grow your intimate relationship with God. Let me use Phil and Laura as an example. They go on date nights. Great. Great to have a date night. What if they go to a date night and Phil spends all evening talking about the workings of photocopiers in all technical details? You know, Canon's just brought out this new one and you press this button and it it, it does this and that. Seriously? Passion killer. End of date nights. 
That's not a way to grow an intimate relationship. (laughs) Our prayers, our intimate conversations with God need to be simple and sincere. Simple and sincere. Well, what should we talk about then in prayer? Well, here's what happens for many of us. We start to pray and we think we should be all spiritual, don't we? You know, praying for spiritual things. I need to pray for these missionaries and world peace and all these good things. But actually, what happens is our minds are actually full of mundane stuff. Like, uh, I don't know, uh, will I get my year-end bonus? And uh, I wonder how that meeting that I'm leading, I wonder how that's going to go. And I wonder what's for dinner. Our mind's full of that, but none of these things seem spiritual. So what we do, we force ourselves to pray for the spiritual things. But then there's a gap between what I'm supposed to pray for and what I'm really thinking about. And removing this gap is what simple prayer is all about. In simple prayer... We pray about what is really on our hearts, not what we wish was on our hearts. Do you see the difference? In prayer, we bring ourselves before God just as we are, warts and all. You know, we don't try to sort out the good from the bad. We tell God, for example, how frustrated we are with the co-worker at the office or the neighbor down the street. We ask God for food. We ask God for favorable weather. We ask God for good health. You might think that offering God that kind of prayer, well, that's really trivial. Even selfish. And uh, and that God's not going to be interested in that sort of stuff. But nothing kills prayer faster than when we pretend. Let me say that again. Nothing kills prayer faster than when we pretend. So we've got to keep it simple and sincere. If you look at the Bible, most of the prayers prayed in the Bible are simple prayers. Look at the Lord's Prayer. Jesus himself teaches us to just pray for our daily bread. The Lord's Prayer is such a simple prayer. Incredibly profound, but simple. Gideon asked God to give A few more reasons why he should trust him. Moses complains about his job description. Or in the best example of a simple, sincere prayer, you can look this up in 2 Kings 2, 24, when Elijah prays to complain about a group of youths who are calling him baldy. Doesn't seem prayers of spiritual giants does it of course we would like to grow so that eventually our concerns become increasingly less selfish but prayer like any other relationships has to start with honesty if you're to grow and this leads us on to our third tip for prayer pray and learn to be present do you have ever have conversations with people you just know that are not there with you. 
I have that feeling every Sunday morning. Physically, they're there. But mentally, they're somewhere else. Ever have that? They're looking at you, but their thoughts are not on what you are saying. Happens to me all the time. Linda's speaking to me, and then she'll say, you're not listening, are you? I said, yes, Sam. What was I talking about then? Something important. (laughs) What? Well, what then? Well, something that was obviously on your mind at that time. See, it's not that I wasn't interested. Of course I'm interested. But what happens is my mind wanders. Doesn't it? On really important issues like, where does that stuff come from inside your belly button? All that fluff. Seriously? It's so easy to be distracted And allow your thoughts to wander when you're spending time communicating with God. We know that. You're praying, but you're not present. And for a long time, I used to feel so guilty about that. I'd sort of bang my head and say, come on, come on, I've got to concentrate, concentrate. I thought I was just a weak Christian. And of course, sometimes it does indicate that we need to pause and refocus and, and all that sort of thing. But over time, I've learned that if my mind keeps returning to a particular topic whilst I'm trying to pray, then probably it's an indication that that topic is the thing that is most concern of, uh, concerned of, uh, I'm concerned about. And maybe it's that topic that I need to be praying about. I remember one day sitting down to pray and noticing that my mind just kept wandering, and it kept wandering to a person that I was particularly annoyed with. And I kept thinking, how can I get him back? What could I say to make them feel really bad about what they did to me? Oh, no, I've got to get back. Pray for my sermon. Pray for my sermon. Pray for my sermon. And it kept coming back and coming back. And then it occurred to me that Actually, I might have some issues around resentment and forgiveness to deal with first before I could go back to my prayer agenda. And I understood that rather than try to suppress the thought and return to my original prayer agenda, I needed to stop and talk to God about my anger. And it may well be that your mind wanders. It, it's wandering to what your heart most needs to speak. God about. It's far better to think about these thoughts that come into your head as stepping stones to prayer rather than barriers to prayer. You see what I mean? So even if it's, oh, I'm really hungry. What's for dinner? Pray about that. Lord, I pray for a nice steak tonight. Oh, I don't know. Whatever. Get it out. A stepping stone to prayer rather than a barrier to prayer. Okay. So pray secretly, simply, sincerely, and be fully present in prayer. And lastly, pray believing. Pray even when you don't understand how things are ever going to change. Pray when you can't see God anywhere 
and you can't see him moving in your life. Pray even when you're not sure that God is even listening to you. Pray believing because no prayer is ever wasted. No prayer is ever wasted. One of my favorite stories about prayer, I'll I'll leave you with this, is from Tony Campolo, a wonderful uh, speaker, preacher, and a he talks about a, a prayer meeting that was held for him just before he, he went to speak at a Pentecostal church. Um, and uh, bef- just before the service, they met in the back with eight other guys. And uh, they had him kneel down and they laid hands on him to pray for, for him. And they began to pray. And just like good old Pentecostals, they prayed. And they prayed. And they prayed. And they prayed, and uh, Tony was getting sore knees. And to make matters worse, one of the men was not even praying for Tony and the service. He went on and on praying for someone called Charlie Kaufman. Dear Lord, you know Charlie Kaufman. He lives in that silver trailer down the road a mile. You know the trailer, Lord, just down the road on the right-hand side next to the gas station. Lord, Charlie told me this morning that he's going to leave his wife and three kids. Step in and do something, Lord. Bring that family back together. Well, they finally finished the prayers and Tony delivered the message and he got in his car to drive home. And as he drove along the highway, he noticed a hitchhiker. So he stopped and picked him up. And I'll I'll let him tell you the story from here. We drove a few minutes and I said, Hi, my name's Tony Campolo. What's yours? He said, Hi, my name's Charlie Kaufman. I couldn't believe it. I got off the highway at the next exit, turned around and headed back to town. He got a bit uneasy with that, and after a few minutes, he said, Hey, mister, where are you taking me? He said, and I said, I'm, I'm taking you home. He narrowed his eyes and asked, Why? I said, Because you've just left your wife and three kids. <laughs> that blew him away. He plastered himself against the car door and never took his eyes off me. (laughs) Then I really did him in as I drove right to his silver trailer. (laughs) When I pulled up, his eyes seemed to bulge as he asked, How did you know that I lived here? I said, God told me. (laughs) When he opened the trailer door, his wife exclaimed, You're back, you're back. He whispered in her ear, and the more he talked, the bigger her eyes got. And then I said with real authority, the two of you sit down, I'm going to talk, and you two are going to listen. Man, did they listen. (laughs) That evening, I led those two young people to Jesus. Never give up praying, because God is doing something. 
You might not understand it. You might not see it. But he's doing something with every prayer that you have prayed. Pray believing. Pray believing. Do you want to grow? Do you want to grow in your faith, in your courage, in trust? Grow in your relationships. Grow in your relationship with God. What's the next step? Pray. 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 Talk. Listen. Pour out your heart. Pour out your fears. Pour out your joys. Make it a habit. A daily habit. And see what happens. Let's pray. Don't do this out loud. Tell God what's on your heart right now. Don't care what it is. Tell him. However mundane it is, tell him. Tell him one, only one, joy that you have right now. Whatever that joy is, tell him. Tell him one fear that you have right now. What do you fear most right now? Tell him. Now just allow him to speak to you.